0: The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Top comment is why is this heretic still in the group? <laughs> It shows that the miracle doesn't have to be grand. Like, I can eat milk, and yet it can shape an entire person's faith.
0: Oh, you hate my living room? Well, God made it. Take that. (laughs) You got a surfer voice, David. Yeah, this is uh, is alright. Hey, bro. (laughs) What's up, bro?
2: Alright, welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is...
1: I am Joshua, and to my
3: left...
2: I'm Joel, and to my left... I am Colton, and to my left... It's me, Caleb. We've gone full circle. Sadly, we are missing Stuart. We have a full crowd here this time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, other than Stuart... Sorry, Stuart, we miss you a lot. Um, Joel, do we do things on the internet?
0: We do. We've been pretty consistently posting um, as of late. Um, At least posting episodes is what I mean. We've been on a consistent, like, close to a year of put note episodes. Um, we've definitely seen some, some results in interaction. If you'd like to, uh, message us, uh, here at second rate saints, we've got second saints at gmail.com. We also have second saints.com, which, uh, has a chat feature as well as some blog posts and book reviews. And then we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so yeah, check us out wherever influencers are found. We're not influencers <laughs> or something else, but we'll figure that out later. um, now, we are mixing up our, our um, order a little bit. We're actually doing a what are you reading, um, just so that we're able to talk about things that we're currently working through. Typically, we want to make it so that it's a what have you read in past tense, you know, do the entirety of the book. But that's not how it's going this week. So, uh, Caleb, would you tell me what are you reading I, currently?
2: Yes. Currently, like, like right, right now, now. He just had it open. I, I, I did. I did. Yeah. I'll put my bookmarker back, though. Um I have several... I'm I'm bad at it, so I have several books that I'm reading, but the one I want to talk about is Early Christian Doctrines by J. N. D. Kelly. Okay. Um, And it is exactly as it sounds. It's just him going through the doctrines of the early church, who thought what at what time and how it developed and then how it, you know, bounced back and forth between different church fathers. It's great. It's about 500 pages. Um, I'm only... One fifty in, but it's been phenomenal. Mm.
0: What level of theological education would you recommend it for?
2: Masters. It's oh, okay. Master's. So it's very yeah. high. Yeah, theology. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's not like you need a master's to read it, but like I wouldn't expect an undergrad to read it. If you're in a master's class, you should be actually. I I picked it up because it's a textbook in so many patristics master's level classes, mm. but it's phenomenal. It's awesome.
0: It's interesting. Um, is there a denominational skew to it?
2: Technically, no. I don't think so. Okay. I think it it is written by an Anglican. I found that out after mm-hmm. um, I picked it up. Um, obviously, any church system that favors um, tradition will it will be far, a far greater asset towards systems that don't value tradition. Don't see the um, any sort of authority that comes through tradition or the creeds or anything like that. It's, it's just meh. So it does take a presupposition that tradition does matter, that it is relatively authoritative and, uh, it should take a place in the mind of the church. So there is a denominational skew, I would say, hmm. but it's a denominational skew leading to a very general section.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Cool.
2: But Josh, mm-hmm. what are you reading? Is that who we were supposed to do?
1: I thought we were all doing it. Oh, we're all doing a What Are You Reading? Well, oh, that's cool. Currently, Joel Colton Caleb, I'm reading a novel mm. called Pariah, a part of the Covenant of Steel trilogy. Um, and it follows a thief who is named Alwyn. Uh, he starts off as this, like, rant. Like, he's an orphan that ends up getting, following along with this. The the outlaw king in this forest, the, the setting is very like Northern European, like okay. English, Northern right. German, stuff like that. Um, and he's, it's, it's brutal. Like what he goes through mm. and he develops like a lot of skills for like survival essentially. Cause he's hanging out with outlaws his whole developmental life, like as like a kid. Um, and it's, but like, there's like this. They're still out of that brutality because you're living with these people. There's also like companionship because you need them to survive. So a lot of the thievery is like group work, blah blah blah. Um, and it develops into like he's he's essentially becoming, as the story goes on, a bodyguard for one of the a like a a duchess. Mm. Um, and it gets into some more fantastical elements like with prophecies and demons and stuff like that, which is cool. But it's a, the one thing that the author does really well, it's written in first person. Oh, not in third person, which is interesting. So it's like in his head a lot. Um, and, but it's also rich. Like it's like you understand the world very well.
2: What's the target demographic?
1: It's adult fiction. And it's, it's, it's a bit more brutal than like, is it historical fiction or is
3: it like fantasy? Okay. Fantasy,
1: yeah. yeah. but it, and, it, and how big is it? Ooh, like five hundred pages. Okay. It's three books. It's simply, easy. it's the the Pariah, the Martyr, and then the Trader. The Trader. Hmm. So, it's pretty good. I am enjoying it. It's like there is like there isn't a magic system so far. Um, I think there is one developing. There is a rich <laughs> like lore, like some. There's some really interesting groups within the story. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The combat is well done. Like it's vivid. Yeah. Okay. He's a very good Hmm. writer, but it's not like, it's not like Brandon Sanderson where you're like, oh, wow. This huge adventure. It's more localized. Fair enough. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love Sanderson. Anyways. (laughs) I'll talk about that right now. Uh, What are you, what are you reading, Joel? What am I reading? Um, there's a book, oh man, I can't remember the author's name and it's just called the Lord's Supper and it's published by, um, center for Pentecostal theology. And, uh, I actually picked it up after we did our communion episode. Um, because after doing that episode and forming some opinions on communion, um, based on what we had covered, I really wanted to, um, figure out what I believed from a Pentecostal perspective, um, within my own denomination. Cause I even ran into some disagreements with, with profs and, and, um, different people within the church, um, on different views in that. So it's a bit of an overview. Um, I'm going to, once I finish reading it and kind of critiquing it, I would like to have it on a, what have you read to do it in its entirety? Mm. Um, but it's what I'm working through right now. And, uh, I, I, I could talk about like fiction I'm reading right now, but as far as like where my head is theologically, it's, I've been returning to communion quite often sure. um, just as a, you know, how are we supposed to think about this? You know, um, interesting. And a lot of Pentecostals right now have thrown their hat into the ring with a way that mainline Pentecostalism should interpret Communion. and I know that doesn't affect you guys quite as much as it affects me but i um, right now I'm, I'm in my church uh, having these kind of conversations and no, that's fascinating. Um, it's, it's cool. I feel a little bit like you know how motorcyclists will have a spine straightener that's what I feel like whenever I read like a theological work that backs up a point I already know I'm gonna argue mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like hey if I crash at least I won't die <laughs> you know <laughs> this this uh, this view isn't gonna ruin me because I already know what I believe in it right right um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Anyways, that's cool. that's my take. Um Colton, I'm actually very curious to to hear what you've been reading.
3: Well, um the book I'm um going through fairly slowly, but uh is Christian Ethics by Norman Geisler. Is that how you say Geisler, his name? Geisler, yeah. Um basically a series of different uh, ethical concerns within the church and within society that are covered in a Christian worldview.
2: Um Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it Philosophical ethics or theological ethics? Philosophical mostly. Okay.
3: Um, Interesting. If there are theological ones, I either haven't read them or I don't remember them. Okay. Um, and, uh, or if they're, yeah, if they're theological, like if it's arguing from within the Bible uh, heavily, a lot of them have to do like classic ones like abortion or, uh, uh, I mean, you have the one, with, I don't know if it covers slavery, but stuff like that. Yeah. Um, assisted suicide all those kind of things yeah uh things ethical concerns about christians in society how they should act more so overviews and discussing it and so that you can discuss it with other people rather than giving you a firm answer unless there is a firm answer sure but um it's interesting still have quite a bit to get through and so maybe it'll be one of those ones that we talk about uh we'll see
0: Hmm. cool yeah, well, today's episode um, is a Thoughts in Real Time episode, which I think you will already know from the title, um, but uh, get ready for another turt episode. That's what <laughs> I'm starting to
3: call it, Thoughts in Real Time That's turt. why you keep calling it turt. That yeah, makes sense. I
0: made the joke a couple times. I think it's the first time anyone's gotten it, um, <laughs> and you could tell how funny it was. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, Thoughts in Real Time episode um, is a format that we do every once in a while to kind of break away from some our more exegetical or... Um, systematic-based things, and just get back to um, kind of our honest conversation about theology and things alike. Um, yeah, so I've put together a couple of questions, um, but I'm also going to kind of expect you guys to bring up questions, bring up things mm. um, that are going on in your own life.
2: Let's see where... Sweet beans. Sweet beans. Sounds, Sounds very weird. interesting. <clears throat> I have no idea what these questions are. Yeah, nobody, nobody, does. nobody
0: does. Nobody does.
2: So if I get it wrong, nobody does—not even you. Please forgive <laughs> not
0: me. Not even me. Oh, here's a really good one I saw, and and we'll get into some from our fans as well. But this is this is one I, I want to talk about. Question: How does the thief on the cross fit in your theology? I've listened to many different explanations, but none of them um, suffice logically with Scripture. The only explanation I can come up with is that God can see your heart and has the right to forgive anyone of anything at any time. What
3: are your thoughts? Well, why, first thing is, why does Jesus say that you'll be together with me in paradise? Not, less, less, not as much about the eschatology of it or whether mm-hmm. or not he's saved. Why, why does he say to him rather than the other one that he's saved? Repentance. Yeah, repentance and
2: acknowledgement of hmm. Jesus's also, authority. Is it, it repentance? The thief is on it? the cross thing has blown my mind. First, a couple couple points. Uh, sorry if this de- deviates from your from your question i'd li- no, I'd fun. love to get back to it though because I think mm-hmm. it's a great question, especially for more um sacramental churches I think mm-hmm. it's a great question and
0: that's the point i'm, I'm we're yeah. probably going to get into
2: yeah um the thief on the cross still expected Jesus to have a kingdom. remember me when you come into your kingdom yep no one else there thought that what is the what is his, what's going on in his mind? I don't know. There's just, there's something weird going on there to me that is just, Mm -hmm. I want to study that to, to formulate a better articulation of it. But
1: it's also, it's an interesting version of repentance because he doesn't, he it's, it's a simple recognition that he's undeserving Mm -hmm. that he's sinned. Like that God is in front of me. I've lived a horrible life. Hey, Mm -hmm. I just want to if I can just be remembered by by my creator because those who go down to Sheol are not remembered. Yes,
2: I don't I actually don't think so. Here's my here's my argument. Biblical theology would have that when God remembering is salvation.
1: Yes. Yes. At least a a change of God's behavior on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um so as far as
2: I can tell. Yeah that articulation by remember me when you come into your kingdom Mm. means that he might like as far as i can tell the thief on the cross may have a very danielic understanding of the kingdom of god and expects a resurrection it's also very similar
1: to samson it's similar to king manasseh Mm -hmm. similar to uh,
2: no but what i what i mean in this case is that mm -hmm. it's because he's dying yes that that end of Daniel, that expectation of, of resurrection is, mm. is, is, is tied into it. Absolutely. That's what I mean. But Absolutely. yes, you're right. You're
1: right. The, but it's the, yeah. And the, um, those who go down to Sheol are not remembered by God that, mm-hmm. um, and those on your final day when you are judged, God says, I never knew you or well done good and faithful servant. And so there's again, that recognition of knowledge and unknowing, mm-hmm in judgment, um, like with him, remember me when you go into your kingdom. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things is the, the other thief
3: is save yourself than us. Are you not the Messiah? A bit of, a bit of doubt, but also like save me, save yourself, stuff like that. Why aren't you doing this? Um, the other one says, do you not fear God? Um, he has been condemned like us and we have been like, Rightfully punished, but he has done nothing wrong. Yeah. Um there's there's quite a few things happening there, even though it's a very short
1: verse. Um, the other guy's mocking him. Yeah, the other one's mocking him. Yeah. And the other and the other gospels actually say they both mock. Yes. Really? Yeah.
2: Oh. It's
1: probably hmm. in the beginning.
0: Well, I, I think it's I think the thief on the cross is kind of always going to be a hard, hard one. Um, I, I get it's like bedside confession of faith stuff. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> well, I think like, where does he fit in your theology? I think it's, um,
1: I like the person who asked the questions, articulation of ultimately it is up to God. Like,
0: yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it gets down to. Yeah. Ultimately we have no say. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the actions the the confessions, everything that happens in the life of the believer um didn't happen in yeah. the life of the thief,
2: well, and I think because couldn't even even in a higher sacramental yeah. church yeah. and i'm I'm defaulting to to the Anglican catechism now, but it's those sacraments like like communion mm-hmm. like uh, baptism, which are like quote unquote necessary, generally articulated as necessary, their catechism goes: those sacraments which are generally necessary for salvation. Yes, and so their concept is there are things that are that are set forward by by the New Testament and Church tradition, which are the normative necessary mm-hmm. things. But that doesn't mean that God cannot um, that God operates within those things solely. There may be they don't bind him. They don't bind him. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That binds them. That's a, and so to a, to answer the question, where is the thief in the cross fit into your theology? At least mm-hmm. in more sacramental churches, at least as far as I can tell, in the Anglican tradition, and I think it's true. Um, I think this is also true in the Lutheran position, as far as I'm aware. It is that those are, those are the normative things, mm. but that is not binding to God. Yep. There yeah, there is there is also the uh, Jesus forgives sin, like
3: quite a lot. Why are we? Why would we say he has not forgiven the sin of the
2: of the from the cross yeah well i don't i don't think no one's saying that he isn't right it's just where does the the fact that he is forgiven that he is into the kingdom of heaven right without mm-hmm. being baptized without taking partaking in communion mm-hmm. how does he have union with christ which is what the orthodox would articulate as salvation if he's never had communion because as according to paul in first or second corinthians i forget now um you are made the body of christ because you partake the body of christ if he doesn't have those things if he's not regenerated by baptism, he's not unified to Christ. How is he in the kingdom of God? And so I think that's that's at the heart of the question mm-hmm. when people ask, "Where does where does the thief on the cross fit into your theology?" Because right. when God does it, it is so. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I I don't know if you can say Jesus's forgiveness of sins falls into the normative exactly, um, like how the church functions uh, when it comes. When it comes to salvation and people's regeneration and stuff like that. If Christ says that your sins have been forgiven, then your sins have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily going forward, but he didn't live much longer past that. So
0: So are we saying that the thief on the cross is an exception to the rule?
3: Uh, He was forgiven. The idea would be that because Jesus forgave him, he is accepted.
0: I think it is. For sure. But we're talking about making it normative versus like a special occurrence. So when we talk about the thief on the cross...
1: Hmm. I, don't,
2: I don't know if, if exception to the rule, I think yeah. it's at yeah. least, it's God going above um, what is his, st- the way that he has laid out the standard spiritual life, the expected hmm. spiritual life of right? right. a Christian. Okay. The, I'm
3: going to betray my bias here and say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. but
2: I think you have to be baptized to be, regenerate, to be regenerated if we're going to be throwing out our opinions. To
3: be okay, just, wait, just, wait, just, wait, just wait. Just wait. Can But I, you can't man? be saved without being regenerated.
1: So. Well, no. I. I think. Fight! 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 Wait, fight! Just, <laughs> let's let's slow down. Just wait. The other thing is, if there are there are no, like you're saying, there are normative ways to be that God that salvation is achieved in an individual. It could be that not that it's a special exception but that the minimum. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, to go there. And, but the minimum is not something you should strive for as a Christian. If the, who has time on earth, you should continue to develop your faith, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Yeah. Right. Well, and that and, implies that there is a working out to be done. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what i mean is is that because we are not dying right now and asking for salvation via faith the minimum in this moment we have the opportunity and the requirement to continue to work out through baptism through being partaking in communion through various the various workings of the church yeah. uh, and i think i think you can get into And so when we say bare minimum or special exception, it's not saying, yeah, if all you have faith and just don't go to church, don't do any of this other stuff, that you're fine. No, that's evidence of not faith. Yeah. Don't bank on the... Or a failure. Don't, don't... No, I don't. I just think that's... Don't go as close to the line as possible. Yeah. Get away from it as far as possible. Mm -hmm. So...
2: Don't cram for the final
3: exam. Caleb, I, I also think you don't, you don't have to go to church to be saved. (laughs)
1: going
0: back to this now. No, well, that's what he's implying. Well,
2: if you are in active rebellion against unifying and meeting and acting out the Christian life.
3: Well, only only if it is rebellion. If you're saying, I'm not going to church because of X. If you're saying, I don't think I need to go to church, is that the same?
1: Yes. Uh, Sure. It's a
3: failure of theology. If you you
2: want to walk down, if you want to knock down on one little thing— I might be able to, you you might be able to get me to concede on many small examples, but I think that they, as far as I can tell, they almost always take place, generally speaking, in a, in a person walking Mm -hmm. away from the church. And so I think you can, you can nail down certain examples where like that person partakes in extremely unhealthy behavior. So they still go to church. They still, they still are working forward Mm -hmm. towards their salvation. They're still, they're still working it out. They're still, I shouldn't say working forward to salvation. That sounds like works. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. Um, That they're still, yeah, they're, they're, they're they're struggling, but then Mm -hmm. there's, then there's the ones who are.
1: They're stumbling upwards.
2: They're stumbling upwards. And then there's others that are actively being drawn. away Or at
1: least apathetic, which is in itself. Blah. Yeah.
2: And so, I don't know. I think you also have to have to talk about all, surrounding this entire conversation,
4: mm.
2: our concepts and different concepts of prevenient grace, mm-hmm. whether what you think of what you whether you think that exists and what it
1: is. You're going you have to also, say preveni- what prevenient
2: grace is. I'm not. I'm not going to because it's going to derail things. Because and also there's so many different views of it. But there's there's so many the prevenient grace. There's also uh, irresistible irresistible grace. There's so many theological concepts that are around mm-hmm. our topics. That I think you and I, Colton and myself, and Josh and Joel, uh, baptism with you right now. Yeah, we have different presuppositions Mm -hmm. on those things, and so they manifest in conversations like this. Yes, is Mm. that fair? Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: We feel like we're we're done with that one.
3: Where does Um, it with the uh, with the thief on the cross? I think. He, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an exception, but it either it is included in your theology of salvation mm-hmm. uh, because Jesus has called you saved, that means you are saved, or it's an exception to the rule, uh,
2: which would still be included in your theology.
3: Yeah, but not in the theology of baptism or in the theology I, I of th- salvation. I think
2: I think it is when it says those things that are generally ex- expected for salvation. It's immediately included in the articulation. Anyway, let's not get...
0: I mean, you're you're separating what? a little bit from...
3: If it's an
2: exception, the that's
0: actual part of it. Individual. Okay, I think the whole point is that you shouldn't want to be the thief on the cross, but you should be very grateful that you are the thief on the cross.
1: Yeah. Can be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would I, I would almost say we are. <laughs> Fun right? fact. Like, I, if I was going to preach yeah. it, I would say that we are the thief on the cross. I wouldn't even... Oh, yeah, barely getting in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in or that the way. The skin of but... your teeth.
3: Um, mm. Sure. Uh, I think there's application there.
1: Sure. <laughs>
2: Man, so I just the answer for you: How right? does it fit in? You're like not well. No, I don't think. No, I, mean. I, I don't think so. It. it uh, the thing is, is, is when Paul makes the distinction about the skin of your teeth thing, he's talking about two groups of ch- Christians that are going to make it in. Mm-hmm. And so the skin of the teeth thing is not all Christians get in by the skin of their teeth.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: He's saying some do and yeah. others don't. His comment isn't all Christians get in by the skin of their teeth. His, his comment might be, and I think it is, all Christians get in by grace alone. Mike, my, my comment but, was not yeah. in reference
0: to what Paul yeah, says. Yeah. It's like a colloquial yeah. kind okay. of okay. yeah. It's, sorry, that thing got in brought my, up, and that's why I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm not quoting scripture there. I'm just forgetting. saying the general depravity of man <laughs> makes enough.
2: it so that you, so so like you would use it as a as a symbol to so, show how like. We all get in just by God's grace. Yeah. Yeah, we That's barely we make yeah. it. I yeah. like that. Not by ourselves, but yeah, there is no work. Because God calls us saved. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to go on to one that we had sent in from a audience member. Um, and here's how it's, it's actually a bit of a long one, so bear with me a little bit. As an audience member, you can really feel the development of the podcast growing into its own. Isn't that nice? 50 plus episodes And it feels like There's a groove In structure and discussion You guys have hit uh, That I really enjoy Every week um, Congratulations On a belated 50th episode milestone That's pretty nice That's a pretty nice no, Thing to you. say Okay We covered um, so For some context For this next question We covered um, The Heavenly Man By Brother Yoon um, Has to do with A lot of miracles That happened in his life uh, And just A general biography um, Of his Autobiography Of his life um, here we go. I have a question about the bio on Brother Yoon. Discussions of cessation aside, what tools of discernment should we exercise to evaluate incredible claims made in the Lord's name? I think every Christian at one point or another reads the gospel and thinks to themselves, even people with firsthand experience of Jesus's miracles are missing the boat and suspect him of demonic powers. Would I have been any different than them? When 21st century Christians are confronted with a story like Yoon's, a common gut reaction is apprehensive disbelief, erring between not wanting to lead credibility to a point blasphemous, a a potentially blasphemous testimony of the Holy Spirit, and not wanting to be spiritually blind to the reality of the kingdom's power and glory, like so many characters in the Bible. I think specifically of Nicodemus and his dilemma with those, um, dilemma to choose for himself who Jesus was, in face of the incredible testimony. Okay, let's let's actually just stop and parse that out a little bit. There's a lot there, mm-hmm. um, and there's more to go on to. But, uh, mm. yeah.
1: Can you read that, the last, like, three sentences?
0: Can I? Yes. maybe I can't.
1: Is the, um... <laughs> I can't.
3: Nope. Okay. One of the big points of the question is, uh, with radical and unconventional claims of miracles and stuff mm-hmm. like that, he's saying that he, him and many others have a kind of apprehension towards believing whether or not it's true. Yeah. Is he asking whether or not that's okay?
0: Here, or, I'll, f- I'll finish the question and then okay. we'll get back into yeah. it. How are we to engage in a story like Yoon's? I am displeased to say in honesty that my feelings are big if true towards <laughs> contemporary accounts of the spirit like Yoon's. Um, almost as to say, true or not, I won't put any weight behind my choice to believe it or not. Um, you can see how this would be problematic, a problematic view of the gospel. The weight of your choice to follow Jesus' testimony, or not, bears your eternal soul salvation. In what way can we—this is the question here—in what way, if any, can we evaluate stories like Yoon's? and how should miraculous testimony be received in the Christian community? To be more pointed— how do we discern bef- between the Joseph Smiths and the Brother Yunes of our contemporary society?
3: Bible, <laughs> Bible, <laughs> yeah. Bible.
0: Okay. Right. Well, yeah, no Bible well, is, is too simple. one distinction. I, um, I, he never I, read
2: the Bible for forever. With, with Joseph Smith.
1: With Joseph Smith. Okay, let's on.
0: not get bogged down in Joseph Smith yet.
2: Okay.
1: Um, okay. I was just going to say Joseph Smith's an easy one to discern because, like a Christian performing miracles versus Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith tried to alter the church and its history completely. Whereas this guy is affirming what the Bible says.
3: Here's the thing. Okay. I wasn't there for the episode, so I didn't get to hear a lot about Mm -hmm. Yoon, but I did hear, I did read up a little bit on it. There are some very wild claims that he makes, um, for what happened in his life. And I probably agree with him is that it's big if true. Like if that, if that happened, wow, that's incredible. Also, it seems a little wild. Um If it really comes down to whether or not what he preached was affirmed and aligned with what the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. as well as the fruit that it produced, that he produced. Did, like, Joseph Smith went on to create a massive church. That is wrong. But did it... um can, Mormon, can you explain? The Mormon church.
2: Oh, Joseph, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about I thought you said. Uh, yeah. And so
3: it's not about like the size and whatever. It has to do with what he taught and how he taught it, right? So what were some of the wild claims you came across? Um, off the top of my head, that's a great question. Um, having not read the Bible because he was illiterate and yet preached about it and stuff like that.
0: Sure. He wasn't illiterate. His parents were. He
3: wasn't. They not. He. Oh no. He didn't have a Bible.
0: He didn't have a Bible. He prayed for one, and then in a vision, God showed him who would bring him with the Bible, mm. and then they brought him the Bible. That's pretty wild. Um, and it's a, like a whole thing. He he prays and fasts for like months, and not not fast consistently like he does eat. Um, but there's later on he doesn't. It's a whole thing, anyways. So, in instances like that, um. I think you need to use discernment in a couple of different ways. One, you align it with scripture, right? Is there an affirmation of scripture through the teachings of this individual? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not super hard to fake stories about um, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit working. But I would say it's very hard to fake the fruits of the spirit, right? Like to, to be um, mm-hmm. a genuine uh, rock of faith consistently throughout your life well, is a difficult thing.
2: We're supposed to judge leaders by their fruits, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what are the fruits of even, even some of the miraculous things in our life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Both well, their teaching and the, and the miracles. There's stuff that's like weird. Like he is one of the most wanted
0: people. Um, in China, if not the most, hmm. um, because he just escaped a maximum security prison and they don't know why or how. And he tells right. you how. He's like, hey, the doors the were door just opens. open,
3: Yeah,
0: um, which is pretty wild. Um, how do you weigh these things? Well, to me, um, it seems like it's Christ that's glorified through uh, a lot of the things that happened in his life. Not necessarily himself hmm. um, to the point where he's like. Permanently disfigured in a lot of ways by his experiences, there was there was very little benefit. And if you're gonna, you know, stake the the testimony of the resurrection on the belief of the apostles um, as like a valid proof, then you might want to use Brother Yoon's um, suffering for the sake of the faith in a similar way. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's not out of God's character to show if you're a continuationist to show signs in a context to promote the gospel
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and this would have been well in the 70s it was a kind of a grassroots time yeah um okay so let's take that method of discernment and spread it wider how do we know um who is performing miracles despite being sinners versus who are
3: performing miracles to glorify and bring about the kingdom of god whether or not they're preaching the gospel because that's what both that's what Paul says and that's what Moses said in the old testament too.
0: That's good. Yeah, for sure. So, I would, probably say the gospel not gospel in the old testament. You but. know, bragging about the mansion God gave you. Yep. No. <laughs> right, probably not prosperity gospel.
1: No. Um,
2: Isn't it weird though when people do go there and they get healed?
1: That's weird. Yeah, people will get healed, but then it's <laughs> basically upset. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's also a phenomenon that's that's a problem of uh healing via belief. That's separate from miracles.
3: Okay, but that's a bad topic to bring into this. Yeah.
1: No, I, there, there's medical cases where people get healed for like four to six months from a medical issue because they believed it and then it comes back. Yeah. But,
2: Mind over matter. Yeah. Right. Which You're is separate from... Why miracles. is that then different
3: from, you know, mainline churches that aren't prosperity or whatever that also heal people? Well, no, what is I mean is that just like... Because you believe? That they're real?
1: No, no, no. What I mean is that there's there's cases where people get healed that it's not a miracle. It's no, simply a fact yeah. of physical.
3: Yeah, they ah, seem ah. miraculous, but they're not.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
3: then why is that different from what we would consider to be miraculous healing? Uh, Just because you believe they well, are? Well,
1: because in those cases, the the belief healings is they, they're not permanent. They, they mm-hmm. don't last, and they're not surrounded by a theological presentation of the gospel being fruitfully given. So are you just bringing up psychosomatic kind of? Yeah. I'm just saying that's, that's an easy way to discern is whether it comes back, revisit
2: it in six months, see what happens.
1: Yeah. Fair
0: enough. I mean, I guess that is fruits of
1: the spirit. If you're at a prosperity gospel, right? If you're at a prosperity church, you get healed. Well, wait, see what happens. Fair enough. Hmm. Hmm. Um,
0: yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure. I. I honestly expected this to spark more of a
2: conversation, but uh, we're all continuous continuationists here, right? So yeah, it's like
0: yeah, we we don't have uh, as much of an issue with miracles happening in the modern day, which actually
1: leads into the next question, also from the same guy. Well, well, it, it, like we kind of said this, but I guess I just want to make it clear at the end. But like, if the miracle is paired with the presentation of the gospel and the fruits are seen, the fruits of the spirit are seen. Mm-hmm. some good comes of it, right? Then, then you know, it's from legitimate God. Then yeah. it's from God. If God is, if Christ is glorified.
3: All right. Here's a, yeah. here's a slight alteration to it. Do you think that miracles can come from non-legitimate Christian origin? Like, like those who do not profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. So like JWs, JWs, Mormons. If we want to go prosperity, although I don't know, uh, Muslims, any, anybody.
0: I would have a hard time saying prosperity's not Christian. But yeah, fair enough. I would say their teachings aren't. But if you get saved in a prosperity church, it's still salvation, you know?
2: Yeah. Well I think I think that you can draw the draw mm. from the Protestant Reformation and go like, no, the Catholic Church in that time was still a church. It's just bad. <laughs> we yeah, could say enough. the yeah. we could say the prosperity churches are still churches, they're just
3: bad. <laughs> Some of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd go the majority.
1: Yeah. But like I mean like there are cases where complete non-believers do and there are times in scripture where God uses not his people to perform acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's strictly from his command and it's for a specific purpose. Yeah. Like the That's easy right. one is Balaam the seer uh who prophesies for God Mm -hmm. to his enemies. But Balaam was a known seer at the time that was not aligned to gods, like to a specific God. Right. So prophet for hire. Yeah. He was a prophet for hire. So like God is using this man to do this thing. And it's,
3: how do you, how do you feel about the two verses that talk like, uh, Moses talks about in the law, Exodus, I want to say 25. I could be completely wrong. Um, talks about how uh, if if a man comes to you bearing signs from God but does not profess uh, and does not ho- uphold the law, um, then you shall stone him to death because mm-hmm. he is sent to test you. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing's uh, said by Paul, roughly, in the New Testament, where if uh, someone comes to you bearing uh, witness and, uh, and miracles but does not profess the gospel of Jesus Christ, you shall not listen to him and cast him out before That's- you.
2: you just have to you have to what is your theology of the magicians with Pharaoh Mm -hmm. are those real things or was that just like like you know smoke and mirrors yeah I don't know
1: I mean there
0: are spiritual things outside of God's you know Mm -hmm. not everything that happens in the spiritual is God's doing specifically
1: yeah it's Uh, under his sovereign control and allowance but yeah
2: yeah, I, I i think I think because of the complexity of the spiritual realm and the influence mm-hmm. of evil spirits, I think sure yep. there can be effects on the material universe that would appear as though healings and mm-hmm. and signs and stuff like that uh, that are not of um, holy origins.
0: Yep. Fair enough. And and that really depends on your your level of uh belief in the spiritual. Yeah. Which I, I think there should be a healthy belief in the spiritual, but there's also such thing as an unhealthy belief, um, both for and against the spiritual, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um leads into the next question actually. Unless we had anything else to say on that.
1: Weigh with what you hear weigh what you hear with what you know.
2: Oh, that's in the intro.
0: Yeah. This is
1: in the intro. We get to use it quite a
0: bit actually. Yeah. <laughs> um And this one is phrased uh, to recommend to a Thoughts in Real Time episode. Ooh. I think a great Thoughts in Real Time episode would be to discuss testimony to miracles the group has experienced or been affected by, directly or indirectly. So has anyone here had like a a encounter uh, with a miracle? Yeah. Which is, I guess, I don't even know if I've asked you guys that question before. Josh, you say yes immediately? Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. Do we want let's, to, let's make this systematic then. Josh, you want to go first? Okay, sure. Um, I was at chapel at school um, the night before. I was alone in my bedroom. I did not live on campus at home. Uh, was praying at like one in the morning. Um, you know, a, a deep prayer from the heart to God, asking him some questions. Struggling with some stuff, and the next day at chapel, somebody I did not know came up to me, recited my entire prayer to me, and then told me God's answer, and told me to keep praying.
3: Hmm. That's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: So that's I got, awesome. I got an actual answer from God to a prayer and confirmation of hearing. That's awesome. Which is pretty. I'd put dope. that in the category miraculous. Yeah, it's pretty
0: dope.
1: <laughs> it was uh, It was much needed.
0: So, did that put you on a bit of a spiritual high for the next little while, or was that? Did you feel like you were still pretty?
1: I never denied the <laughs> like. Like, I was never a cessationist, right? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but it was just like it's just like all of a sudden it like you know that you know, when you have a new experience for the first time and you're like, Oh my gosh, like that's real. Like before it was just an idea. Mm -hmm. Now it's a real thing where it's like, you read something in the Bible, right? Like the first time you see tongues, if you're Pentecostal, right. And you're just like, Oh, it like, I've been reading about it and people talk about it, but it's like, I actually saw it. Um, and it's just like, Oh, whoa. Like it undeniable. So it was a, and also the answer was, you know, it's when you get, when God talks to you, it sinks right into the deepest part of your heart immediately. <laughs> and we it just, people are not the same. After. Yeah. 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 I so. suppose that's also
0: a marker of a miracle. Colton, yeah. did you, did you mention that?
3: Um, I've been witness to spiritual things uh, that I know are spiritual personally i've never experienced an actual miracle witnessing in front of me except for the one that happened to me but i'd rather not talk about it okay fair a little more personal
0: fair mm-hmm. enough and and was that a response to prayer or was that something that you didn't expect to happen you don't we have to like specify any details um on, just
3: response to with- prayer
0: cool yeah Oh, I think that's oftentimes were, a consistent theme when you talk about miracles as a response to prayer. To be
3: slightly more specific, it's healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. One that was impossible, but one that I can't.
2: Cool.
0: Divine mm-hmm. healing, man. Yeah. It, it is
2: It's
1: biblical. It's cool. Awesome.
2: Uh, mine's super kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like eight years old at a church camp in southern Manitoba. And uh, it's always bothered me this whole time growing up because my mom is lactose intolerant. (laughs) She can't have ice cream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is a big deal because she would like just, she's done Mm. for like two days in a row. Oh my goodness. Like it was bad for her. And um, I, for whatever reason, thought this was like the big thing I'm going to pray about. It's a church camp. (laughs) It's just Like after chapel, I prayed about it. I go home, I pray about it. Um, And then the next morning... I was just, okay, mom, you're going to have ice cream. <laughs> and so it took me lots of convincing for her just to have ice cream because it was like, yeah. no, I'm sick. <laughs> and she had a little bit and it was fine. And then she had more and it was fine. She had more and it was fine. Then she just drank a glass of milk and now she's just been fine ever since. Oh. That's- <laughs> so, so she was lactose intolerant for the vast majority of her life. I think when she was younger, she could, but then mm-hmm. like in her early teens. Um, and now she's fine. And so for me, like for her, at least the way she describes it, it's just like it's a convenience thing. Right. Mm. Right. But for me, as like a eight, nine years old, and then even growing up further, it's just like, okay, if I'm going to like turn
1: into a rationalistic materialist, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> right. The, the coincidence yeah. there is insane. Yeah it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you're just like, I'm never going to stop believing now. <laughs> it's just like, and if I do, I just have to like, I have That's to always gonna be essentially there. that I have to make a little bit of cognitive dissonance against that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to get some severe amnesia. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's funny that when you hear about people, they're pretty, pretty normal. When you hear from people, Things get kind of weird. What do you mean? When you talk to, like, I think about talking to uh, even older members of the church, or or just like you meet someone's uncle or whatever, who's like, maybe he's not a UFO guy, but he's like a he's a strong believer in in kind of things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, and why are you describing? We me? have this kind of rationalistic <laughs> worldview, like you said, rationalistic until hey, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Rationalistic until we can't explain something. Yeah. Um, I think that's always interesting. I think it's weird that yours just doesn't and dollar. It's it's very yeah, cool it's though. So
2: it's so like that's mm-hmm. nonchalant, whatever. And so it's my yeah. belief that it it really did just happen to to, to ground you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. And so it was
1: for me, not even for my mom, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and it's like it's such a small thing. Yeah, but like it it shows that the miracle doesn't have to be grand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it can simply be I can eat milk Like <laughs> lactose <laughs> And yet it can shape an entire person's faith Oh dude, nine year old <laughs> me was blown away Yeah How'd you, how'd you do that? That's so cool <laughs> Just looking up in, into the sky Hey, how did you do that? Yeah,
2: you just, no, I think I was younger than nine I might have been like Seven, six years old
3: hmm.
2: yeah Interesting Wild.
3: Anyway. Joel? It's funny. Pente-
0: Pentecostals got nothing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a single miracle. No. No, I think... Oh, there was another one. <laughs> yeah, go for it.
1: Sorry, this one could be completely coincidental, but I still think of it as one where we were trying to cross the Mexico, like the Tijuana-San Diego border on our way back because we accidentally realized that we were leaving... Mexico on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Mm. (laughs) And so the, the roads everywhere were full and Mm. we were just like, all three of us were just all three vans. were just praying. Like we really need to get out of here. The moment we're done our prayer, taxi driver drives up. Hey, do you guys need a way through the border? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we do. And he brought us through like back roads for (laughs) like an hour, all the way to the border, like way ahead of the line. (laughs) <laughs> like, that that's also cool. sounds like how you end up where you're not supposed to be. Yeah, I know. that sounds a little. I know. So like we were all like That's funny. Should what? Like I think was... the miracle is that you did that safely. <laughs> you, know, you didn't get print, taken to a <laughs> bunker. And it was like like we all had our vans, So like he just guided us mm-hmm. and like we we handed him some money and stuff like that cuz that's what you do for a taxi driver. But it was just like the the timing. Hmm. Yeah. And like we got ahead of like an 8-hour lineup. Absolutely. That's funny. Was,
0: <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I think I would have stories, but I'd have to widen it to Providence and things like that. And just kind of more vague vague distinctions, which yeah, yeah, it's closer to what Josh you're saying there. Um, but ultimately I've, I've always, um, while praying for, for miracles or things that would be considered miracles. Um, Mm -hmm. there's always, I have felt the answer be like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just like, Oh, why would I do that kind of thing? Um, Partially because of the position of my heart, I've been corrected while praying for miracles. Um, mm. I'm not going to do this just so that you can say this was done. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Which is, which is, was a struggle for me growing up. I would pray for things and it just, well, wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, but in that, um, there's also like a humbling or closest to God that comes from still having an answer, but the answer is no. Yeah. Right. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. the, and i think it's it's good to remind i think ourselves and everyone is that the majority of god's work is done in the ordinary and mm-hmm. that is miraculous like with joseph right a lot of it is just his no like life events that ended up doing crazy work for the patriarchs and what god was doing with Egypt saving his people so that they can enter Canaan later. But it was just his brother sold him to slavery. He got picked up by some slavers. He was he was going to Egypt working for a guy as a slave, mm. ended up going to prison. Like these are things that just happen in life. Right. Except people, for the dream interpretation. Yes. That was the key difference. But the like Ruth is a good example. Yeah. Right? Just two people getting married. Kinsman, Redeemer Act. Right? What about Esther? Esther's just massive
2: amounts of providence.
1: Yeah. But that's what I mean. That's the whole point. Is God's name's not mentioned. That's
2: actually the theology of the book. The actual (laughs) theology Mm -hmm. of the
1: book is that God works through these events that don't seem to have a miraculous thing, but But end up having a providential outturn. And that is the majority of what we do. Like, this our interactions with each other do iron sharpens iron the, the normal institutional functions of the church Hmm. um, of fellowship and community and praying and reading the Bible, all these things that miraculous things can happen, but a large majority of the Christian life is living the life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's miraculous. Yeah In and of itself
0: Yeah I, I. What is it like Miracle of the Mundane Or something What do they call it yeah. yeah Yeah It's beautiful Cool Um. Is there anything You guys have been Like working through That you would like to To just throw on the table And And see what hits it
1: I'm wondering why I'm getting so much hate For this Lego orchid It's, <laughs> it's, like is, it's come up episode. a couple of times now <laughs> Yeah
2: it's I hope when, when we get an office, if we ever do, yeah, that comes with us.
1: Yeah, obviously. It's going <laughs> right on my desk. <laughs> uh, I'm also getting the, uh, there's a Lego like autumn centerpiece for your table that's, for like Thanksgiving.
0: That's what we want to talk about right now. That's so good.
1: The tonical <laughs> collection is miraculous. Dude. Wow. <laughs> just, I'm just, sorry. I just, <laughs> just stomped on. Hey, you asked a question I answered. I, I prefer- did. Yeah. And like, apparently the thing you're thinking about is uh, Legos. Is Legos. It happened that it was just in my line of vision when I was, and I got a lot of hate for it in the last episode.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> um, In what way do you think the podcast has helped you or not helped you um, in theological debate? Uh, like in, in your guys' everyday life, in what way, like, have you come across something and you're like, Oh, being in the podcast has actually helped me with this or
2: it's helped me formulate my ideas on a fly just in general more. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> cause I suck at that. You may have noticed anyone listening. You may have noticed that I'm really bad at that. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Makes the uh, thoughts in real time episodes very fun for you. Eh? Oh man, yeah.
1: it's a real slog. <laughs> well, what I like, what I like doing is what I f- found in the thoughts of real time episodes specifically is when somebody asks a question and then Caleb takes a hard stance and then I'll just like push it. <laughs> kind of yeah, argue him down a little he bit. Even though
2: sometimes doesn't even disagree. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so so Josh and I Josh is a very open person. He will have discussion on Mm -hmm. points that he disagrees or doesn't think are important. Like is important. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I think that that entire discussion is not important. I am Mm -hmm. tuning out.
1: (laughs) But it's funny because like halfway through, you'll be like, no, this is important, and then yeah, Yeah, because it's like wrong or something (laughs) because of it, like touch something that I
2: that I think is important or is or like the. Or if they're just going on falsehoods or something, and then I just get really impassioned about it. Hmm. You know, but it's weird. Hmm. Josh it's, and I are very, very different people. That's
0: true. I've been shut down in conversation more by you than I think I have by Josh. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, it's because Josh doesn't. is very open and I'm a very closed person. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I He's- wonder how many people on the podcast can like guess our personality
2: types based <laughs> on this discussion. I am very disagreeable. I don't know if you've noticed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. No, don't apologize. You would say that, wouldn't you?
0: Jeez Louise. okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were just getting mean. Okay,
2: um, no, uh, Josh, disagree. How do you see is the podcast
1: determiners of, of success? <laughs> okay, <laughs> this has turned into a really meta episode. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just wanted to. What has helped me, um, actually, it's going through books slowly in discussion format mm. has actually like every time I read the Book of Samuel and judges my imagination of the events changes and like this one more so because we're just going through it so slowly and going through the Bible slowly is good.
2: It's almost like Bible studies are really important and you should go to one.
1: Yeah. But it's what we're doing. We're doing it differently than like a Bible study. Because Bible studies, a lot of like pastoral conversation. uh, It depends. Mm. It depends where, where you go. I think heavily. Yeah. Heavily. But what this allows us to do is to actually dig into nuances and research in, mm-hmm. of the text. And so instead of just going to a class and learning something about Samuel, we're actually taking it down piece by piece. And by saying it in our own little nuances, it affects like the the whole story around Jonathan throwing the spears that we talked about last. The arrows? Yeah, the arrows, arrows, yes. And getting the kid to go get them. Yeah, it was yeah. like it completely reshaped my imagination of that. Uh, It made it more vivid. The whole argument with Saul and like his, like that was just never in my brain that way. The way we talked about it. Um, Hmm. It was awesome. And it's been doing that a lot. I found the same, same experience with the, the,
2: the Nineveh series. Yes. Okay. Huge.
3: Fair Uh, enough. Yeah. No, same.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's definitely been helpful. Um I've been I've been preaching more the last little while, um, and writing sermons. Uh, is actually easier when you think about it as a dialogue with people. Right. Um and just preparing for the podcast and uh, as well as actually doing the podcast has helped. Um maybe just my articulate articulation, you got me saying articulation. Okay, look, what's going on here? Um and that's probably true. I do pick up habits from the podcast, but um, <laughs> has helped with my uh, following arguments and uh, I guess rhetoric would be what it is. Sure. Um, you know, not that I think of preaching as doing this podcast, but you're becoming it's helpful. a better and better orator orator. Yes. I used, think I'm getting but... worse, but <laughs> yeah, that's probably also my habit <laughs> 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 rubbing up on you. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, next question then. Yes. Good if it would. Holton. No, I'm just going to pull it up. Oh, yeah. Colton, did you want to <laughs> say how the podcast has oh, helped okay. or not helped? Because you just said, yep. <laughs> I did say,
3: yep. <laughs> um, podcast has helped me in quite a few ways. A lot of them is bre- uh, uh, more my breadth of understanding for many topics. Hmm. Um, I understand a lot of topics a lot better now, which has fed into hmm. other topics that we've talked about. Um so say we we discuss the atonement theories. Yes, there are things I know, but now that we've talked about it, um, it, it impacts how I talk about salvation, impacts how I read earlier books of the Bible, impacts how I talk with other people about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's mostly my breadth and depth, depth uh, of understanding um, on certain topics. Say Nahum. Nahum is one of those books I've read, but I didn't really study um, until we really talked about it on the mm-hmm. podcast and... Mm-hmm. The, the newfound uh, understanding and appreciation for things there and how it feeds into how I see other things in the Bible or history, it just, it's enriching it. It's
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. it's
0: pretty good. And if we're talking about application of this question, which mm. there's very little application because uh, we only have four slots in our mixing <laughs> boards, <laughs> so you can't join the podcast, but um,
1: but That's I would why. encourage
0: those listening to, to find people you can, you know, talk about theology with. Because mm-hmm. um, I know on any given weekday, um, these guys will get a string of messages from me, either uh, ranting against or for some weird theological point. And, uh, or a big I, one. I do the same for them. And I do do the same for them. Cool. Is that that applicable enough? Yeah. We'll get into another one right after this. I think so. Okay, this one, um, this one's tough.
1: Mm, I, love I don't it. like this one. I'm ready. Uh But I found it. I'm like,
0: oh okay. um, It's basically just another discernment question. This might be the discernment episode. We'll see. If God told me to tell you you're not chosen, and He tells you that you are, one of us is
3: lying. (laughs) Uh, Why would why would God tell me not to tell you you're chosen? I don't know. No,
1: read it it again. Read it again.
0: If God told me to tell you you're not chosen, and He tells you you are, one of us is lying. Yes. Um. And then his, his addendum is, God is telling one of us to lie.
1: What? <laughs> no. No. No, one of you is <laughs> wrong. Uh, or,
3: or God's but, not telling you anything. <laughs> so chosen as in like... One, like,
2: saved? Elect? You're talking election. Yeah, I don't it.
0: think I'm talking election. That's I think I'm just talking about this guy's... Like, the top he, comment is, why is this heretic still in the group? <laughs> 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 well,
2: well, if, it's not election, if it's not election, what is what is chosen? Just so I just understand. Like for, I, I think he like just
0: means, like, for callings and things yeah. like that. Um, hey, if I tell you that God's not going to use you, and well, God tells you that he is, God's telling one
3: of us to lie. I just mean someone's wrong. Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't mean that God's lying to them.
0: But then you it, if it's like just human to human interaction, it is who believes more. <laughs>
2: and yeah, that's it, not good. Well, that yeah, that's that just assumes that everyone has enough discernment to always be right. And there's never human error in discernment ever, which yes. is wow. such a weird presupposition. <laughs> if we were that's true. perfectly able to carry out God's
0: will, we wouldn't live in this world.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. Here, here's kind of a subsection of the question that kind of, Breaks off of it, or it's like branch off of it. Um, <laughs> if you believe strongly with all your heart that God has said something to you, does that make it true? Does that make it that God said that to you?
2: No.
0: Yeah, I think that just becomes like the burning in the bosom fallacy. Yeah, it's yeah. like God right. is real because I believe He's real. It's like and no, the, there's
1: there's a lot more. And the inherent the inherent amount of, within subjective experience, yeah. the amount of uh,
3: especially charismatics who believe that though is staggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: are they wrong? Yeah. The the thing that they believe might not be wrong, but the reasons for why they believe it. Cause sure. Because the, the, the factuality of the thing being believed would have to be argued, its truthfulness would have to be argued on other grounds, mm-hmm. which, and it may be proven right or right. wrong. So basically their argument for believing the truthfulness of that thing is wrong. Right. It's fallacious. Let's say fallacious instead of wrong. Right
3: if someone believes very very strongly that god has called them to pastor a church but then someone else feels the same way they could both be wrong what like that kind of similar to this question they mm-hmm. could both be wrong one of them could be wrong but they can't both be right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's not really about you you just because you believe something super strongly mm-hmm. as if god had told you are we saying that that mean that doesn't mean that god has told you if you believe that God has told you something, does that mean that is that potentially
2: just you?
0: Potential- God is not t- your belief in God. God is God.
2: Also not just to tell tell you what, yeah. like
0: like that's that's my objection to them,
1: but I don't Well, the the way you would know as a Christian if God has told you to do something, like if God is commanding you to do something, specific it gets Mm. harder but if he's commanding you to do something with your life and it aligns with scripture as the discerning factor then that's the way you know but it gets harder that could still also just be yourself too
2: i like yeah i think i think it could it could be yourself of course i don't like if your question is whether or not it could or couldn't be yes or no may or may not it be yeah yeah then yeah it might be yourself of course that requires an in the moment discernment. There are discernment.
3: a lot of people who think that, in, in this case, that think that they've been called because they've told themselves, rather than they might believe yeah. that God has told them. But does that mean it's true? And
2: five years down the line, when you sit them down and actually have an honest conversation, when they're not hyped up, I think, and you talk in these lines, I think that they'll they'll come to the same conclusion of like, no, I I could be wrong about something but what I believe, mm-hmm. but I think generally what happens is in relation to things that should be things that are honorable, things that are desirable, things that are, that are great and pursuable and great things to chase for. Everyone wants to believe that they chase for that. They're supposed to chase after those things in like a, in like a vocational sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's awesome. Um, and you should, there's nothing wrong with desiring that. Um, so I don't, and I think if people want those things to fulfill those things, to chase after those things so strongly, and they really, really, really desire that to be them, mm. we should recognize the nobility of the thing, but also recognize that the no, the nobility of the, of the desire does not legitimize the desire. And that mm. distinction has
1: to be made. Sure. Mm. And, and also, like, there's practical things you can do is, like, if you're worried about the will of God for your life, right, the will of God is presented in the Bible for the Christian everyday life. Uh, would you say the the common will? Yeah, yeah. Like, there are things that Christians are called to do. Yeah. Until yeah. you get specific calling, that's what you are to do. And use wisdom. Yeah. Right. But the, it's the specific no. calling. That's... Yeah, well, just wait. Just wait. Oh. The uh, The, when you get a specific calling that requires discernment and wisdom and you should test the scriptures to see if it's true and you should go to trusted uh yep. advisors and elders yep. within the church to be able to to gain discernment on the thing you think you're being called towards and because it is this it you have to use discernment and it requires that trust in the th- the thing you're being called to the the feeling you have, then you have to go with what you think is actually happening. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's for sure true
2: because of all those yeah. things.
1: And yeah. we and there's nothing we can do to say otherwise. Like because it is that subjective experience, it requires discernment and ongoing discussion and living.
3: Hmm. I, I to be honest, I thought that you three would be more resistant to saying that it's not the call of God, actually, That is the person themselves, well, making it up might not be the right word, but like if someone believes that they've been called to do something like say to tell someone else they're not chosen for whatever reason, they mm-hmm. could just be wrong when so many charismatics believe that it just happens a lot in their life, that they've been called to do this, they've been mm-hmm. called to do this all like a
2: lot.
0: I've clashed with a lot of Pentecostals on this, so mm. I know like the circles that I'm the, in. Th-
2: the three of us are not good samples of Pentecostalism. No, I understand, <laughs> yeah. but we were very surrounded by it for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I fall in line with maybe the most of their stuff. I'm not sure.
3: As of us um, four, probably.
0: Uh, yeah, out of us four, I guess. Um, And calling, I've I've tried to preach on it and done a weird job of it. I think it's it's something that I'm still kind of working through for myself. Um, I think that there is a certain amount of human determination that could be calling. Um, but Mm. at the same time, there's gotta be a spiritual aspect to it. Right. Um, really depends what motivates you. What will God put in your path to, to push you towards, uh, what the meaning is for your life? Um,
1: well, there's a, like, to your point about like the meaning to your life is like, there is a as what Caleb said, there is a common calling on the life of every Christian Yeah, in how we are supposed to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are specific callings that sometimes come to believers. I, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I have a
0: hard time with that. Um, just in the sense that,
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> How and, do I say this? I'm trying to say it like a little bit. Uh, God calls you in different ways because like there, there could be the feeling in your mm-hmm. heart, the voice in your head, audible thing, Jesus comes to you, angel comes to you, whatever. There could be through the preponderance of the God speaking through his people in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, could be just straight up providence. Could just be straight up providence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, I simply was just for my position in the young adults at my church. Right. It's like, it's obviously been God's calling on my life to do this at this moment. Mm -hmm. Will it be for the rest of my life? I don't know, but it was, it's I. the events that got me there was not you're doing young adults ministry. Okay. Like, yeah, but it's, it's what I've been called to by the church and I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, it gets a little more complicated when you start talking about the mm-hmm. church's calling to individuals, because no. um, then there's a, hmm, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. I don't have a strong um, take mm. on calling one way or the other. Mm. I, I do think that his question is interesting, though. It's like,
1: how do you? <laughs> but again, wherever you get that specific calling from has to be dealt with wisdom, the discernment, searching the scriptures, yeah, prayer, fasting.
0: And it can't be taken lightly either. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that if God has been, you know, <laughs>
1: kind enough to give you a goal that you work towards, mm-hmm. then absolutely work towards it. Like nobody's yeah. like, anyways. Well, like, can I get an example of like absolutely. common stuff? Right is like we're called, you know, to do the normal things like pray, be in fellowship, go to church, right? Do not forget to meet with each other. Uh, the Great Commission to spread the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. To be of service to the community, like all those things care for the orphan and the widow, right? We are to do those things. And so if you find yourself in an Avenue, right, let's say I'm just a normal Christian. I haven't been specifically called, but I'm going to the mission thrift store because uh, like that's where I can help orphans and widows or whatever. Right. Then I'm doing the calling on my life as a Christian. And that is my purpose and then specifically God might act in your life to call you, hey, go to school and do this. Hmm.
2: We could do a whole episode, I think, on calling and yeah. in relation to discernment, to God's calling, God's voice, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's something probably sh- where we should do. Yeah. yeah. The, the reason I brought it up is that it is
3: something I struggle with a lot mm-hmm. where I see almost every, especially very charismatic uh, mm-hmm. service I go to a large majority of of the time you see people like, Oh God, put this on my heart to pray over you and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know how, like if we're talking about whether or not someone could be wrong because they don't discern it, it comes from within or it comes from God. Mm -hmm. How often does it actually come from God directly speaking into them? If Mm -hmm. they act like it has, which they do.
1: Yeah. Like, and we can go back to Joseph. Yes. He uh, discerned the, the dreams, mm. right? But God's call on his life to save his brothers via being the second most powerful man in Egypt happened through normal experience. Right. And then mm. God called him to answer that divine prayer. The answer to discern that dream.
3: Yeah. But then the amount of people who believe that they are Joseph discerning the dream is yeah. more than we would say is actually true. Right.
1: I don't know. It's again, it's, it's, it's up to the discernment and the wisdom and, because it's desire that yeah
2: people desire to be that but i don't think we should not see the special like forgive me if this is if i speak out of turn on this one how many people and i'll use c.s lewis as an example did he go through his life becoming the scholar that he did, writing the books that he did, going? I, I had a vision from God that I'm going to be this, you know, big impact and blah blah. blah. No, no, it's was, it was providential.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Was he? Was that still his purpose? I think in his life is his impact in the Christian <laughs> world and what he has done, even in the impact of his books, just upon me myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that was quote unquote his calling. If we're going to use a generic sure. term of calling. But I don't think that, that happened in a visionary Joseph like experience. Yeah. It was ordinary. Was it still the power of God through providence, of working course? Working about the means to yeah. strengthen and build and continue his kingdom. Absolutely. And it was I like don't think just nester. because of the ordinariness of it, does it mean that it is any less than? Oh,
3: ab- absolutely. But I think I, I to, agree.
2: to your point, within the context of certain church denominations, it is assumed to be less than yep. the ordinary.
3: Yeah, and there at least there is this great desire to be, have these prophetic things happen, or uh, to be the healer, to be the, uh, um, the one who God talks to, stuff like that. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of reasons for it. It could be a theological thing. It could be
1: just a personal thing. But I I think on the best case scenario, it's the best case scenario. It comes from a desire (laughs) to not be sinful and to be godlike and to be obedient. And those people, in the most extreme cases, get presented as people who work miracles.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: This has been a weird turn. Yeah.
0: It's it ties in weirdly to the first question, hey? Yeah. It's like, how do you know if experiences are legit or not, man? Right. I think that I think weirdly enough, this whole episode's been decently thematic <laughs> towards discernment <laughs> and uh, understanding. Um, man, we got a lot more spiritual than we usually do yeah. in this episode. Uh, I wonder how that's going to play. It's
1: really good. I like this. E- really? I lo- okay, I like cool. this. This is good. It's good. It's good. This is, this has been amazing. Okay. <laughs> that was both very like dry. Like, yeah, this is uh this is all right. <laughs> yeah. It's because I have a very monotone voice. You got a surfer voice, dude. I do. Dude. Hey bro. Hey bro. Up, that's bro? awesome. I've got a surfer frat boy vo- voice. <laughs> I think
0: that Annoying. if we do a full episode on the discerning, the call of God, um, we, we could have some really interesting least. takes, especially if we come at it from different, um, denominational stances or we can right? do like we, a, like Colton's whole yeah. thing of like, Hey, uh, not everybody who says they're called, are called, um, or no, not everybody who says that it's They've a word from word God, God is a word of God. Yeah.
3: Um, which is true. Hmm. I believe so, but many charismatics won't believe that. I, 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 I feel moves. like we've
0: just, um, because we've set the spiritual action of God so high, we've put the
1: spiritual expectation
0: spiritual so low. Is you it, know what I'm saying? That's great. We, I like like that. we it's, expect yeah. God to be working so much that when anything happens, it is expected to be a spiritual thing from God. And sure. and that has its benefits because you don't miss things, but it has its disadvantages because sometimes... Um, the bathwater the bath stays in with the babies. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> yeah.
2: deduction. I like, like yeah, that. That's
0: my experience.
3: Um, do, do you think it's fair to say that the reason I would have a big problem with it is it, it makes people then say that, it, do the baby bathwater thing and say, hey, look, the bathwater is still there. So it must all be bathwater. Um, just because all the people who say that they've heard the word of the Lord, it kind of lessens the importance of it and then makes it seem like it's all. Absolutely not it cheapens, true. It cheapens yeah. the entire
2: thing.
0: You just lost me with my own analogy. So if <laughs> if someone else, I was oh, I bring up the the coffee pot I was going to earlier, and I decided no, against it. <laughs> no.
3: If that's, ses- an awful,
0: that's an awful hot coffee pot. Ah. Anyway,
3: sir, I'll if, bring a better analogy next time. Holy moly. I, I like the analogy, but we'll not talk about it. I'm
2: right. the only one that had a problem with the analogy. Let's Gary. reference something that the audience has never heard. Eh? <laughs> I just like making fun job. of Caleb.
3: If, okay. if, a, if a cessationist <laughs> looks at these charismatic things and says, hey, look at all these what they would probably call crazy people who say they hear the word of the Lord, but they don't actually do, they're going to throw out all of it. And it's going that movement will grow again. And that's my issue.
0: And I
2: my my thing is I just think those people are wrong.
3: Yeah, but if it grows in popularity, that makes it a problem.
2: You yeah, have to argue think, against it. But the, yeah, but the charismatic movement has taken over and impacted the vast majority of mainline churches. Yeah. So, sure. I think it's also the cessationist position is losing ground both yeah. in population and in even academia.
1: Yeah, sure. I, that that's I, fair.
3: I think that it'll actually regain uh, – this is a fairly just wild prediction, but I think cessationism will grow again. I don't think so. I, I think it's – Maybe not theologically, but I, in the common
1: – There person. are a lot of pendulum swings within mm-hmm. – Or like there, there'll there be another feel, yeah. group that forms. Yes. Um, but I think it's also fair to say that it's like with most theological ideas – there are groups that have poor articulation, and then there are individuals within that group that do have a good articulation. Yep, sure. And because we're sinners operating in a church that's only operating by the grace of God, uh, we're being held together by him, and the bad apples, so to speak, outnumber the good ones or not, whatever, but the importance is just that there's going to be bad ideas and that we can correct them. But there's going to be more bad ideas. Yeah. It's a lot of bathwater with that baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know,
0: like the worst oh, people it. are like, I'm spiritual, just not religious. Uh,
1: oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the
0: worst
3: people. Yeah, I understand <laughs> <it's
0: laughs> <a good laughs> those people. Uh, it's not a religion. Um, it's a relationship. Actually, uh, that's that's not entirely it. true. <laughs> there's one dude I met that was like, he's pretty chill, but he has weird spiritual beliefs. Um. Anyways, that's the exception. Uh, I would say cessationists are. I'm religious, just not spiritual. <laughs>
3: <It's> like, <laughs> that's a bummer too. <laughs> Like that's just (laughs) That's Not it
0: funny Sure That is
3: funny That is funny Are they
0: equally as bad? I just need to find out What the opposite Um, of like Gemstones are They're only as bad As long as they have The same impacts (laughs) They keep rocks (laughs) They're like Yeah they have no purpose
1: (laughs) I just have them on my dash In case I crash (laughs) I just have sand In my pockets At all times Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like not religiously (laughs) Yeah What? (laughs) I so, carry them oh, around because eh, something might happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's, never not, know. it's not for spiritual, like, cosmic reasons. It's for purely physical, practical reasons. I Wait. might need sand. <laughs> <laughs> <I> might. <laughs> How
3: often do you use sand in your life, Josh?
1: I don't know,
2: Sometimes like, I go raid tombs. Never. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, you know. <laughs> carry around oh, deodorant yeah, yeah. instead of incense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's
0: very
1: practical. Oh, oh. my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, this is a thoughts of real time episode. Let's for get sure, dunk, let's
0: dunk on some cessationists.
2: No, <laughs> no
1: not let's... even debunking their arguments. Anyway.
2: Just make fun of them <laughs> I stopped believing in you. <laughs> well, we spent. A... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. man. I, I
3: do think that the cessationist's strongest point is that many, many uh, charismatics are wrong. That is their strongest
2: point. <laughs> that is their strongest point, which is funny because it's not in the it's not in the Bible. Sure. <laughs> The strongest point is not exegesis. Yeah.
0: Most people And aren't that should won be the strongest point on any
2: biblical, do- on any Christian doctrine.
1: Yes. Sure.
0: What am I a cessationist about?
1: You know, Ooh, good, calling? good introspection. Canaanite gods, because God killed them all. Yes. What? Let's go. <laughs> Anyways, this or, is. A... Or are they here in new forms? Uh oh. Uh-uh.
0: We end the podcast like a toilet and a nice little spiral.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, can you do a media plug, please?
0: Okay, uh, we've been Second Rate Saints podcast. That's not even what we're called. <laughs> what are we called? Second. We uh, welcome. To, I did it again.
3: You did. We might
0: actually have to clip that. That's so bad. This no, has been no, the Second is, Rate. Saints this has podcast. been the Second Rate Saints podcast. Thank you for listening this <laughs> far. If you've enjoyed it, uh, you can get a hold of us at, at gmail.com You can message us on the website at SecondRateSaints.com, and you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter. My goodness, just end the podcast. My suffering is being left of Josh.